Welcome to Healthcare Hot Buttons. In today's episode, we will discuss how Amazon Care is different from One Medical, and answer the question of why Amazon shut down its own operation and acquired One Medical instead. On July 21st, Amazon announced its 3.9 billion acquisition of One Medical, a primary care innovator. Amazon pays a nearly 80% premium for this. Some industry observers consider this a small move by Amazon, but others think this might be another failed attempt in Amazon's venture into the healthcare industry. The deal is currently under regulatory review by the Federal Trade Commission. Just several weeks later, Amazon decided to terminate Amazon Care, its own telehealth operation, by the end of 2022. Neil Lindsay. The senior vice president of Amazon Health Services said in an email to its employees, quote, "Although our enrolled members have loved many aspects of Amazon Care, it is not a complete enough offering for the large enterprise customers we have been targeting, and it wasn't going to work long term." Unquote. There are several questions here: Why did Amazon decide to discontinue Amazon Care and acquire One Medical in the meantime? How are these two models different? How can one medical generate savings and become sustainable in the long term? Below is our analysis. Hopefully, this is going to shed some light on these questions. Now let's look at Amazon Care. I'll explain three points here. My first point: Amazon Care is essentially a telehealth provider and is paid on a fee-for-service basis. It was launched in 2019 to serve Amazon's employees and their family members located in the state of Washington. In July 2021, Amazon Care expanded its virtual care to all 50 states. It provides a technology platform, offers 24/7 virtual care, including video care and care chat. It's very fast. Customers are promised to be connected to a clinician within 60 seconds. All clinical services are contracted out to Care Medical, a third-party medical group. Amazon Care's virtual care is supplemented by home-based services for nurses. These are not services from doctors. When recommended by a video care clinician and approved by the customer, a nurse will visit the customer's home or workplace. These nurses can perform physical examinations, conduct testing, administer vaccines, or collect lab samples. Its home-based services are only available in select locations and do not involve diagnosis or treatment. Amazon Care is paid on a fee-for-service basis. Eligible employees use their insurance sponsored by the employers and are responsible for copay, coinsurance, and deductibles. My second point is that Amazon Care is not much different from traditional telehealth providers. And therefore, it is nearly 20 years late to the employer market, and it has not gained much market traction yet. Compared to existing telehealth providers such as Tele.Health, Amazon Care does not differentiate itself very much. It provides home-based services, but only nurses visit customers' homes. These are ancillary services rather than medical care that involves diagnosis and treatment. In other words, it does not offer meaningful in-person care. That would differentiate itself from competing telehealth providers. As we know, that in-person care is critical to managing chronic medical conditions and building trust between clinicians and customers. Unlike Tele.Health, Amazon Care does not offer chronic condition management and monitoring services. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 
Individuals with chronic medical conditions account for 90% of the total healthcare spending. So chronic condition management is important if Amazon Care is serious about cost savings. In comparison, after acquiring Livongo in 2020, Health gained capabilities of chronic condition management as well as monitoring via connected devices. So given a lack of a meaningful differentiation in telehealth offerings, Amazon Care is just another telehealth provider. But considering Teladoc was launched in 2002, Amazon Care is nearly 20 years late to the employer market. This is one of the reasons I believe that it has not gained much market traction. As of 2022, less than 10 major employers use Amazon Care, including Whole Foods, one of Amazon's own subsidiaries. By the way, this is not the first time Amazon has failed in healthcare due to a lack of differentiation. You can listen to one of our previous episodes on why Heaven Healthcare did not fly. This was a joint venture with JP Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company. My last point about Amazon Care, it is supplemental to the existing healthcare system and unlikely to generate sustainable savings. So in the absence of in-person care offerings, a telehealth provider like Amazon Care is only supplemental to the inefficient system used by employers. These employers have to pay additional fees for telehealth services. So being a supplement to the existing healthcare system creates additional fragmentation that tends to lead to waste and inefficiency. In summary, Amazon Care does not have capabilities of managing chronic conditions and building long-term trusting relationship with customers, and is not able to change the existing healthcare delivery approach in a meaningful way. Therefore, it's very unlikely that Amazon Care will generate savings and become a long-term solution for employers. Now, let's look at One Medical. In contrast to Amazon Care, One Medical has a hybrid model. In other words, it offers both virtual care and in-person care. It has significant differentiation from traditional primary care and has achieved high customer satisfaction. The company was founded in San Francisco, California in 2007. It uses a human-centered, technology-powered model to transform primary care to achieve three aims, better care, better health, and lower cost. Last year, it spent $2.1 billion to acquire Iora Health, a primary care innovator serving the Medicare market. The company is growing fast. In the last six months, it added 62,000 members, equivalent to an annual growth rate of 17%. Currently, One Medical has 204 physical offices in 25 markets, serving 8,500 employers, 750,000 employees and their family members, and 40,000 Medicare or Medicaid beneficiaries. One Medical offers convenient and quality primary care. It provides 24-7 on-demand virtual care that it is available within minutes and same-day or next-day appointments for in-person care at convenient locations. Its physical offices and in-person care allow One Medical to build long-term relationships with customers, manage chronic medical conditions, and high-need patients, and offer a wide range of wellness programs as well. The core differentiator, I believe, is the team-based and salary provider model. Clinicians are not subject to perversive incentives under a fee-for-service system. On average, their clinicians see 35% fewer patients than typical primary care providers, and its technology platform allows them to spend less time on documenting and more time with customers. 
So far, One Medical has generated high customer satisfaction. They have a net promoter score of 90 in 2021. Net promoter score is calculated as the difference between the percentage of customers who recommend the services and that among those who do not recommend their services. One Medical also transforms itself quickly, in particular, in the first half of 2022. One Medical has nearly quadrupled its capitation-based revenue, and this has downweighted the importance of its fee-for-service revenue. Let me explain this a little bit. One Medical has four major sources of revenue. Membership fees, health partnership fees, fee-for-service revenue, and Medicare capitation revenue. The company charges an annual fee of $199 per member per year. It also provides primary care services to enterprise customers covered by house partners and receives per-employee fixed fees. The company receives payments for clinical services on a fee-for-service basis and care management services from certain payers also. Finally, it receives capitation revenue from Medicare Advantage plans or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. However, during the first six months of 2022, capitation revenue from Medicare increased at an annual rate of 400%. As a result, capitation revenue increased from 20% of total revenue in 2021 to 50% in 2022. This dramatic increase in capitation revenue is important. I'll get to this again below when we talk about cost savings. With all that being said, One Medical has been losing money. It might be fighting an uphill battle to become profitable. Here's why. In 2020 and 2021, the company lost $90 million and $250 million, respectively. In the first six months of 2022, it had a loss of $185 million, or $370 million on an annual basis. So you can see the trend. There are several possible explanations. First, one Medical is investing about 18% of its revenue in technology platform, new offices, and other infrastructure for future expansion. In addition, it spends about 10% of its revenue on marketing and sales. Second, its general and administrative expenses in 2021 were very high, accounting for 52% of the total revenue. This was partially due to the acquisition of Iora Health last year. But its administrative expenses decreased dramatically from 52% of the revenue in 2021 to 37% this year. Lastly, but importantly, it's generally considered challenging to generate savings from primary care innovation. In the U.S., primary care spending accounts for 5 to 8% of the total healthcare spending. But in general, primary care clinicians, they do not control the rest of the 92 to 95% of the spending on specialty and hospital care, unless they are a gatekeeper, which means referrals to specialty care or hospital care have to gain primary care doctor's approval. Of course, this is not very common in the U.S. Also, academic research does not lend us much confidence either. Existing studies on primary care innovations have shown inconsistent findings. Some demonstrate savings, but others do not. In particular, the four-year Comprehensive Primary Care Initiative, or CPC, and the first two years of its successor, CPC+, both were sponsored by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. Based on the first six years of data, CPC and CPC Plus reduced the growth rate of hospital admissions and emergency department visits, but failed to achieve a statistically significant decline in the total cost of care. All these sound very pessimistic, but there might be a way out. 
and it seems one medical is heading in the right direction. A promising approach to generating savings is to take risks and manage the health of a population. Research also supports this approach. Fundamental transformation of primary care can only sustain in a payment environment where two-thirds or more expenses are reimbursed on a capitation basis. Using the, this approach, the savings generated by primary care innovation through reductions in unnecessary care, urgent or emergent care, hospitalizations could be used to improve primary care and preventive care. Of course, a portion of savings will become part of the company's bottom line. So far, it seems the company is heading in the right direction. As discussed just now, its capitation-based revenue from Medicare has quadrupled during the first half of 2022. One medical can also leverage its existing network of specialty and hospital providers to offer quality and efficient care. In addition, as membership increases, the company will be able to reap the benefits of economies of scale and result in lower administrative expenses per member. Also, high member retention rates are critical to One Medical's long-term profitability. This is largely due to the fact that potential savings increases as a member's tenure increases. Given high customer satisfaction, its member retention rates should be high. One Medical's at-risk arrangement with Medicare has the right target population. It takes time, often years or even decades, to materialize the economic benefits of wellness and prevention in a relatively healthy population. Managing the Medicare population increases the chance of generating short-term and medium-term savings because Medicare population incurs higher spending than the working population. Here are the takeaways. Aiming to innovate primary and urgent care, Amazon Care in its current form does not differentiate itself sufficiently from traditional telehealth providers and has not been able to gain traction in the employer market. In contrast, One Medical has a number of differentiators from traditional primary care providers. Although facing challenges in generating sustainable savings, its at-risk arrangements with Medicare holds promise and has been growing very fast. Based on what we observe, it's therefore not surprising that Amazon decided to shut down Amazon Care and acquire One Medical. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Please let us know the topics of your interest. I will see you next time.